0: is real. power
1: Each one of us, as I've often said, are the only Bible that a lot of people will ever read. They might never pick up the gospel of John. They might never pick up the gospel of Mark or the book of Romans or Thessalonians or they're not going to pick up and read the book of Malachi or Zephaniah or Obadiah or Ezekiel. But they are going to watch you and say, is there anything to this Jesus thing? Our lives are the only Bible people will ever read. Then the question becomes, what kind of
0: translation are we? Are we a good translation of the word? We might just be the only witness people have of the gospel message, how we treat others around us, how we speak, and the actions we perform in the sight of others may be the only exposure they get to God. Pastor Daniel today challenges us to become aware of this fact and practice Christian living every moment of every day. We're sharing Jesus many times without uttering a sound, and the people around us are going to notice. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part one of his message, Listen Up.
1: Let's open up in your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 4. Deuteronomy, chapter 4. As we continue our study here through the book of Deuteronomy, Lord willing, I'm going to endeavor to take the entire chapter Of Deuteronomy chapter 4. And so we're at a point now where we're legitimately in the preamble of the second telling of the law. So the word Deuteronomy by which this book is named, literally Deutero means the second, and then Namos in the Greek literally means law. So Deuteronomy literally means the second telling of the law. So what you have going on is that When God gave the law to Moses at Mount Sinai, that entire generation, everybody who was over the age of 20 died in the wilderness except for Joshua and Caleb. And so now they're on the border of the promised land and they're about to go on into the promised land and God instructs Moses to explain his law to this next generation. And so we have a complete retelling of it. And I think... What is interesting about it is that we are going to get an amplification of the law because Moses doesn't just repeat everything over again, like read it, but he repeats and he begins to explain it as well. So we spent a few weeks looking in the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy of the retracing of their steps around the different places that they had been. And so now we're hitting the legitimate preamble to the second telling of the law. Now we're not, hey, we were here, we were here, we were here. Now we're getting down to the kind of the nitty gritty of it. So look at what it says, Deuteronomy chapter four, picking up in verse one. It says, now Israel, listen to the statutes and the judgments which I teach you to observe that you may live and go in and possess the land which the Lord your God of your fathers is giving you. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. Verse 3. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor, for the Lord your God has destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today. Every one of you. Surely I have taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me that you should act according to them in the land which you go to possess. Verse six. Therefore, be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all the peoples who will hear all these statutes and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us for whatever reason we may call upon him? And what great nation is there that such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I set before you this day? So, Moses begins by saying, now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and listen to the judgments which I teach you to observe, that you may go in, verse 1, and possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you. Now, notice, the command is to listen and to observe that they may go in and experience all that God has for them. Now, that's huge right there. Like, I could do a whole series just on verse 1. Because, listen, it says you need to hear it, and then you want to observe it, right? So you hear it, and then you actually live it out that you may go as you're going and experience all that God has for you and for the children of Israel. It's this land that God had promised to them all the way back in the time of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's like, look, if you hear the commands and the judgments of God and you actually put feet on them, don't just hear them, but observe them with your life. Allow your life to embody these commands. Then as you go, you're going to experience all the blessings that God has for you. And brothers and sisters, that's the simplest way to understand each one of our lives right there, right there. You hear the commands of God. And we get that in God's word, the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. This is the purposes and plans of God. Now, first, we need to hear it. We need to listen to it. And you're like, well, so Fusco, don't get all over us. We're at study. We need to hear the word. And listen, we live in a day and age, and we talk about it a lot here at Crossroads. We live in a day and age with a lot of information. There's a lot of stuff going on out there. But we need to hear the word of God. That's why one of the things that I love about Our history as a church and our future as a church is that we teach the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, section by section. We even teach the parts of the Bibles we don't understand and we don't even like sometimes. But we go through it because we know even though we may not understand it all and we may not even like some of it, but we know that it's God's word and we want to be conformed by it. You might be saying, Fusco, do you say you don't like some parts of God's word? Absolutely. There's some parts of God's word that I'm like, really? Lord, is that really what you're up to? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, you got to help me understand what you're doing here. There's some parts of God's word that are hard to understand, hard to embrace with our hearts, but it's God's word just the same. So you need to hear the word. Are you a person of the word? Do you read the Bible? Do you spend time every day, as Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You need to embark on a lifestyle of receiving God's word, reading it yourself, understanding it, saying, God, what does this mean? How does this apply to my life? We need to hear the word, but not only hear the word, but we need to observe the word. And we're gonna talk more about this. We need to be obedient to what we hear. And isn't that a challenging reality? All of us, just like little kids, we know what we ought to do, And oftentimes we choose to do the exact opposite. I love being a parent. It's such a challenging, beautiful endeavor. I've been telling my kids, because I'm getting gray on my beard, that each gray has got one of their names on it. I say that one I say, Obadiah right there, Maranatha, Annabelle, the dog, you know. They're like, where's mommy? I'm like... (laughs) Mommy got no grays, kids. And Lynn looks over and she gives me a little nod, like, "Mm mm-hmm, yeah. But I watch my kids and I see a reflection of myself. Because I'll say, okay, hey, Maranatha, before you come downstairs, I want you to brush your teeth. I want you to make your bed. I want you to turn the lights off. And what does she do? She comes downstairs with the lights on, the bed's unmade, and she's got bad breath. And... In my humanity, I want to get frustrated until the Lord's like, well, Daniel, you're the exact same way with me. I ask you to do these things and you choose not to. You're too busy. you got something else on your mind. And so it's not enough just to hear the word, but we actually need to observe it. We do need to live it out. That's why God inspired James, who is most likely the brother of Jesus, to write the words that faith without works is what? is dead. See, true faith is what we live out every single day, and we want to put feet on our faith. We want to hear God's Word, and we actually want to observe it. We want to live it out. Why? Because as we hear God's Word, and as we observe it, then we are in the process of going through the world that we live in. Every single day, each one of our feet, and who we are, reaches all these people. And as we're going, we want to experience all that God has for us. For the case of the children of Israel, it's about going in and possessing this land that God had promised to give them. But as we're going to see all through the book of Deuteronomy, their ability to not only possess this land, but to live there and prosper is going to be dependent on them observing God's word. Not just hearing it, not just being, I know that's what God's word says, but actually allowing the spirit of God to pull obedience out of the depths of their soul. And that's why I've called this message, Listen Up. Because I think for each one of us, we choose to be obedient or disobedient. Nobody else makes that choice. We make that choice. And so we don't just want to hear the word, but we actually want to hear it and we want to put it into action because God wants to bring blessings to us. That's the reality. God, at the essence of who God is, is a blessing. And God wants us to experience his blessings, but we want the blessings without the obedience. We want to experience all that God has for us, but we actually don't want to step into the steps that will bring the context for those things to come to life. And so obedience is a necessary part of the life of the people of God. Now, notice in verse 2, we get something very, very important. You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it that you may keep the commands of the Lord your God, which I command you. This is important. He's saying, look, it doesn't need you to add anything, and don't take anything away from it. Let the word of God be the word of God. We hear this again, something almost exactly the same in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 18 and 19. John writes, for I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part from the book of life, from the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. So what it shows is that when God gives us understanding in his word, people either want to add to it, or they want to take away from it They either want to embellish on it And bring out other things that aren't in there Or they want to pretend like certain things aren't in there And both sides of it are in error Why? Because God gave us his word for a reason Many of you have heard me say I always say when the Bible is silent What should we be? Silent also, why? Because we don't want to add to God's word We don't want to ascribe motive or spin things a certain way And listen, there's an entire Christian industry of people who are adding to God's word Now they feel like they're receiving revelation Or they just think that you're going to like it But really what we need is we just need the word Because if the spirit of God inspired the word Then he is the ultimate author And we don't want to add anything to it. And every time the church gets into teachings that aren't in the word, but as an addition to the word, they always end up looking like kooks at the end of it. That's what happens. Like, how many times are we going to go through somebody saying, this is the day that Jesus is coming back, when Jesus says, no man knows the day or the hour. But every time it happens, people get all riled up, and people start buying books, and they sell their house, and they do all this stuff, and then Jesus doesn't come back because if they would have just listened to Jesus, he'd tell you, look, nobody knows. He'd say, I don't even know when I'm coming back. That's what he says. So why are we date setting? I don't know. But obedience demands that we don't add to God's word, nor detract from it. So you know what that means for us with our Bibles? We need to be good old fashioned reading comprehension with the word of God. Like, you know how I, I've chosen to interpret the Bible? Because if that's really true, I don't need to add to it, I don't need to take from it. It's like with my kids, when I'm reading with them, and it says, Johnny went to the store. Who went to the store? Johnny. Where did he go? To the store. Yeah. It's simple. This is what it says, and this is what it means. And I really want to encourage you to be simplistic in your interpretations of the Bible. You don't need to add to it. And you don't need to detract from it You just let it say what it says And we need to learn how to trust and be content with that But it's challenging, isn't it? Because often we want to add to it things Because we don't necessarily like what it says Or we want it to say other things Or we pull things out of it As if it didn't really say that for a bunch of other reasons But it comes down, God gave us his word for a reason And what I've found in being a student of the word for some 15 years now, is that every time there's something in the word that I don't quite get or I don't quite like, God wants to do a work in my life through it. And so rather than trying to reason it away or allow my experience to dictate what I should believe, I say, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? For a lot of people, they want to play games with the word because their experience and what they're seeing in the word don't line up. And so they want to interpret the word based on their experience rather than allowing their experiences to interpret the word. Does it make sense? Like people get it backwards where you literally want to say, what does the word say? And that's the lens through which I see my experiences, not my experience tells me this. So this is what I'm going to see in the word. So we want to make sure we get that right. And we don't want to detract from it and we don't want to add to it. We're just going to let the word be the word. It says that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you. They're God's commands. Now, in verse 3, look at what it says. Your eyes have seen what the Lord did at Baal Peor. For the Lord your God had destroyed from among you all the men who followed Baal of Peor. But you who have held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. Now, again, we saw this failure at Baal Peor back in Numbers chapter 25. And all of this is linked up with the fact of Balaam, who was a prophet, who Balaam was brought to curse the children of Israel. But of course, he said, I, can only, I can't curse unless God lets me. So he blessed them. But what we found is that Balaam actually taught the king how to make the children of Israel stumble. And what they did was they sent the women down and their whole um, sexual pagan rites... The men were enticed and they sinned in idolatry and sexual immorality with the women of that city. And it becomes a defining point because they're on the edge of the promised land. They're experiencing God's grace and they get completely sidetracked by idolatry and sexual immorality. And in a lot of ways, Satan's methods of distracting the people of God doesn't really change all that much. For many of us, the single struggles that we have in our lives are idolatry, which is worshiping something other than the true and living God. Things like a career, or money, or a family, or some sort of an idea where we place that ahead of God, and we let all of our decisions be made based on that. And then, of course, sexual immorality. When you think about sexuality, at its basis, it's the union of two people, right? And so... When you understand God's design for human interactions, you realize that marriage between a man and a woman is actually meant to be not just two people who fall in love and they get married and they make a commitment to each other. It's actually meant to be a picture to the world of Jesus and his church. That's God's design. And when a man and a woman come together in the act of lovemaking and the covenant of marriage, it is the physical representation of the union of Jesus and his church. And the ultimate consummation, if you actually study your Bible, is when Jesus returns and takes his church home. Do you remember in John chapter 14, when Jesus says to the people, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, it says what, there are many mansions... I go to prepare a place for you. And if it was not so, I would have told you. But I will come back at some point and I will receive you to myself. All that is marriage language. He's saying in that culture, a son would build a house for his bride on the father's land because the land was given by allotment. And at the time it was prepared, the bridegroom would come and get the bride and bring her back to their new apartment that's not the father's house. And then they would consummate the relationship. That was the fulfillment of the marriage union. And... For us, what we realize is that sexual immorality, the reason Satan has so warped our understanding of sexuality is because it wants to warp the union between a man and a woman in the covenant of marriage, which is the physical embodiment of the fullness of the union between the people of God and the Lord. And that is why we live in a world, and it's been going on for a while, where there is such an aggressive attempt to warp and distort our understanding of our own sexuality, because it is so powerfully meaningful in the purposes and plans of God. And you and I, we need to do battle against that. We need to make sure we view everything through the lens of Scripture so that we realize that when we live out a warping of sexuality, we are completely undercutting the living epistle that God created. Powerful, isn't it? But the sin of the children of Israel at the Peor was exactly that idolatry and sexual immorality. But notice he says in verse 4, But you who held fast to the Lord your God are alive today, every one of you. So there was a judgment that came for some of them, but those who held fast are there hearing these words of Moses. Now in verse 5 it says, Surely I taught you statutes and judgments, just as the Lord my God commanded me, that you should act according to them in the land where you go to possess. Therefore be careful to observe them, for this is your wisdom And your understanding in the sight of the peoples who will hear of all the statutes. Now you see what he says there. Our wisdom and our understanding for us today is exactly the same as the wisdom and understanding of the children of Israel were thousands of years ago. And that is simply to live out the word of God. When you and I live out the word of God, we place in our own bodies, in our own lives, in our own families, we place on display the person and work of Jesus Christ. And although we are saved by grace apart from works, we are saved by grace unto good works that tell a story to the world. See, who we are as we live through our days tells people what we value what we care about and each one of us as i've often said are the only bible that a lot of people will ever read they might never pick up the gospel of john they might never pick up the gospel of mark or the book of romans or thessalonians or they're not going to pick up and read the book of malachi or zephaniah or obadiah or ezekiel but they are going to watch you and say is there anything to this jesus thing our lives are the only bible people will ever read Then the question becomes, what kind of translation are we? Are we a good translation of the word? Or does our life tell a different story? See, I love verse 6. For this is your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of all the people who will hear all these statutes. He's saying, look, you're going into a land where nobody has these statutes. And when you live them out, they're going to say, wow. And look at what you get. You get all these Potential things that people in the promised land are going to say when they hear about the children of Israel. Surely, verse 6, this great nation is a wise and an understanding people. For what great nation is there that has God so near to it as the Lord our God is near to us for whatever reason we may call upon him? And what great nation is there that such statutes and righteous judgments as are in all this law which I said before you today? He's saying, man, you're going to get in there and people are going to say, what kind of a nation is this? That God's so close to them. See, that should be our testimony. A life of wisdom, but not worldly wisdom, but heavenly wisdom that people would say, "All oh, that heavenly wisdom stuff makes no sense, but then you live it out and they say, wow. Like, let me give you an example. Finances is historically an area of great anxiety for people. But when somebody chooses to follow the Lord and observe biblically God's parameters for finances what you find is that you honor the Lord with your first fruits and then you trust him with the rest and then what happens is when you honor the Lord with your first fruits and things start getting out of whack you go to the Lord and you say Lord I don't understand what's going on you told me that if I honored you with the first fruits this is going to be taken care of what's going on here and then God says yeah I'm going to honor my word and then we become not anxious anymore
0: Jesus is real. In today's message, Pastor Daniel encouraged us to know the message of the Bible. We not only need to know what God's Word says, but we also need to live it out in front of others. We may be the only witness people have to the greatness of our Creator. Pastor Daniel here. We're headed into one of my favorite times of the year, Christmas. It's
1: all about spending time with our loved ones, celebrating the gift of Jesus. But we also give gifts. And I want to encourage you to grab my brand new book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. In it, I explain Jesus' greatest commandment and how we can live it, how we unpack it in the day and age in which we live. This book has helped many people and I believe it can be a truly life-changing gift that
0: you can give this Christmas. Check it out at JesusIsRealRadio.com and here's Josh with more information. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. On behalf of the production team, we want to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. And we couldn't agree more. Pastor Daniel mentioned just a moment ago that if you go to JesusIsRealRadio.com and click on Partner, you'll be able to get your own copy of Upward, Inward, Outward, which makes a perfect gift this Christmas season. Visit JesusIsRealRadio.com to secure your copy of Upward, Inward, Outward by Pastor Daniel Fusco. Make sure to tune in again as Pastor Daniel will discuss the need for remembering what God's done in our lives. When times get tough, we need to turn to God. It's easier to remember that if we're aware of his faithfulness in our past circumstances. There's more to come from Pastor Daniel's series, Refresh, Please glance at the clock right now and make plans to join us again for another edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.